podcast as always my name is Sheldon Alexander and I'm joined once again by my dude Mr. Matt Russell we're at week 17 which normally would you know be the end of the regular season but we're into this new wave here of 18 weeks of the regular season and I don't know how to feel about that I mean I feel okay things are still going well things are going all right I feel good I feel all right so far how are you doing as we I put Christmas in the rear view. Yeah. Week 17 is ahead of us. How are you doing, my dude? Yeah, Christmas is a weird scene. I got the phone balancing on my lap uh, in the middle of sort of Christmas gifts and and uh, at the in-laws and whatnot and sort of, you know, half paying attention to everything that's kind of going on while also like sweating Gardner Minshew past completions, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, week 17, man, like, you know, week 17, what's the phrase? Same as the old, you know, version or whatever. Uh, week 17 is the same as it always has been, right? Yes, there's another week after this, and we're going to get really... This is going to be actually a really fun episode because we're going to be talking not just about this week's games, but also tying it stuff into next week's game. There's, you know, spoiler alert, there are going to be games this week that are A, just completely unbettable, but B, the best of the number is already gone, and so I have to sort of pre-apologize to everybody for that. But... Good news is there's a lot of stuff this week that ties in to next week. And so we're going to make some bets for next week this week uh, because, honestly, you know, we just got the news here of you know, the, the Raiders quarterback, uh, uh, Tom Foolery. Uh, there's just, you know, it's just still a cluster F at this point. Week 17, even though there is a week 18. Uh, this is why I stopped doing player props. This is why we stopped doing teaser articles because, you know, no other time of year would this weirdness uh, be happening. Yes, and maybe the weirdest of the weird that is happening is that it's week 17 and the record still stands in pretty good in a pretty good yeah. spot. Uh, coming off a 10 and six week last week, bringing the season total to 132, 98 and 10. Again, that's 132, 98 and 10. Heading into week 17, feeling good, feeling great, just trying to keep the good times rolling here on this Eon Blast podcast. For people who might not be familiar with what we do here, I'll come out, I'll make a pick, I'll pick one side or the other, depending on what the line is. And my guy, Mr. Matt Russell, comes through with the information and education that you need on where the line is, where it was, and where it could be going heading into game time. And where can that be more important than heading into these crazy weeks because there's going to be so much line movement. So buyer beware in terms of when you're listening to this and checking the lines and all that, but it's why it's super important to make sure you follow us on social media and like and subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts and also just understand the context of how we're talking about these games, we're talking about it based on where the line is now as we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Um, but let's start with what's going to go down on Thursday night football. We got the Dallas Cowboys as 11-point favorites in Tennessee taking on the Titans. This seems like a lot of points. But when I look at the Titans and I'm thinking, wait a second, they have lost, what, five in a row? Uh, sure. Including a game to the Houston Texans, a team that, I don't really care about their record other than against the spread, but to lose outright to the Texans, 
might be a sign of things to come here, but it's a short week for the Cowboys. Cowboys coming off a massive win versus the Eagles. I don't really want to be laying 11 points on the road. I really don't. But this is the thing where I'm like, can the Texan or sorry, can the Titans even score 11 points? That's kind of where, where I'm standing here. So give me the Cowboys. I'll lay the 11 points and like not really put too much into this game. Right. So this is going to be the sort of jumping off point for everything that we talk about the rest of the week or rest of this podcast with regards to this week and next. Right. Because everything is set up either by last week or by or this week for next week. And so I made a mistake. I, you know, we're going to get into some of the ones that I made good bets on, but I made a mistake here by not betting the Cowboys when this was minus five uh, last week and then minus six yeah. going into the week and then, you know, reopened pretty close to that. Because the reality is this is not a real football game. This is this is essentially an exhibition game because the Titans season comes down to next week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nothing that happens in this game matters to the Tennessee Titans, right? Whether they, they could lose this game by 100 points, if they beat Jacksonville next week, they make the playoffs. They could win this game by 100 points. If they lose to Jacksonville next week, they will not make the playoffs. So why would we ever see Derrick Henry, for example, in this game? Why would any of the injured Titans, you know, we talked last week about how, you know, liking the Titans as the number crept down to minus four, minus three and a half. And listen, they were up four points in the fourth quarter. Like, And by the way, the only Texans touchdown at that point was an offensive fumble recovery, i.e., you know, the, I believe it was Rex Burkhead was not going to get into the end zone, fumbled it. And it was either he fumbled it or he recovered the fumble. But the point is, it's not like they actually crossed the goal line in a traditional way up until the fact that the Titans couldn't score, as you mentioned, and like kept the Texans in that game. So the problem is we, when we talk about this on Wednesdays, we don't get the injury report to find out that essentially Titans, the Titans didn't have anybody available to them, especially, you know, particularly defensively or on the offensive line. So again, why would they you know, suit up any of those guys for this week? And so now you've seen this line go from five to six to seven, eight, up to 10. And then today on Wednesday, we're now looking at 11. And honestly, I think there's some juice now on the minus 11. So we might be headed to 11 and a half, which like automatically when you're talking about the NFL and a team on the road, like you automatically red flag that something's up here with regards to this game. So you know, you're right. Like, you know, are you dying to lay points now with the Cowboys, knowing that you could have gotten a better number even just a couple of days ago? No, of course not. But you're also probably going to be sitting there looking at Malik Willis trying to throw the ball to, you know, Racy McMath and handing the ball off to Hassan Haskins or whatever, you know, whatever these random guys are. And so, like, I don't have a bet for this game. That's, I mean, I have bets within the context of props. Like, we're grabbing little you know tony pollard touchdown sure we're gonna grab some over on <laughs> tight end uh dalton and so what are like but there's obviously not anything to bet when it comes to this game that being said right it makes it more likely that the cowboys are going to win this game and as we go through the rest of these games there are certain games this week that trigger other things to happen throughout the season right and so as we'll talk about them here the cowboys sort of being guaranteed if you will to win this game is one of them because it's going to make a lot of these other games uh, more important and that's the fun part about week 17 as much as there's a lot of kind of bs going on with some of these games the ones that matter really matter and are really interesting obviously as we get down to you know what i think two two playoff spots available in each conference 
that are not quite spoken for, or I mean, maybe it's just one in the AFC. But uh, yeah, so when it comes to Dallas, you know, they, they're locked in on the five seed. So, you know, they don't need this game necessarily. But, you know, having beat the Eagles, they think they can catch them for the NFC East. Yeah, so let's keep things rolling here, moving yeah. towards some games that in that I mean, there's a lot of juice going on, a lot of spice going on. We'll start with the Dolphins at the Patriots. Patriots at home, favored by three points. Uh, Tua is in concussion protocol. Stop me if you've heard that before. And it's looking like Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Two Gloves, will be in the lineup. And if you followed this pod at any point over the last few years, you know that. We like taking Teddy Two Gloves as underdogs here. And this will be a very interesting game for sure. I'm interested to see which side you're on. I'll be riding with Teddy Two Gloves plus the three points. And I want to see where this line actually ends up as we get closer to the game. But give me Teddy Two Gloves as an underdog. I'm on Miami plus the points. Yeah, and they made it official. Sort of Mike McDaniel kind of admitted that, yeah, it's going to be Teddy this week. Not a huge surprise to anybody because obviously what matters most, as you'll hear everybody say, even if they're kind of gritting their teeth underneath it, is that he is sort of protected, right? Mm -hmm. And who knows if we ever see him again this season or honestly at this point, you know, when you're talking about brain injuries, the rest of his career is going to be affected by this, uh, potentially, especially if the Dolphins don't make the playoffs, because there's some, you know, murmurings, you know, Miami, they were up to stuff last season trying to get Tom Brady and, you know, Sean Payton's Sean out Payton. there and all of that type of stuff, right? So who knows what could come of the Dolphins not making the playoffs. I'm on the Patriots. I grabbed the Patriots at minus two and a half when we, it was sort of, you know, we saw the move from, this line kind of opening around Pickham minus one and a half for the Dolphins. We saw this flip once it was, you know, sort of admitted that uh, Tua goes into the concussion protocol. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, hopping on that going like, well, he's not going to play. And then at what number should it be? Now, I think three is probably a fair number. And so I grabbed it to make sure I got the key number there. But the reality is I haven't, we haven't obviously seen much of Teddy Bridgewater this season, and we have it hasn't been particularly good. And by the way, the Dolphins as a team haven't been particularly good, losing, what, four straight games here. So I'm just not there with like, oh, let's just ride with Teddy because he's an underdog. I get it. We, we've done this. You know, we played that game before. But that was when he would be like eight and a half, ten point mm -hmm. underdogs on like some crappy – you know, what was it, the Broncos and the Panthers, you know, sort of defensive-oriented type teams here. I don't love betting on the Patriots. Like, I, you know, again with the Patriots fumbling, you know, this time fumbling the ball, like inside the 10-yard line after making that comeback. But the Dolphins' defense has given it up, you know, over mm -hmm. these past few games. And when you don't have the defense, and I don't think you're going to have the offense, and honestly, a, a, the, the type of game plan that others have used to uh, slow down Tua. I imagine Bill Belichick and company will have that sort of ready to go up in New England. So yeah, I'm on the Patriots minus two and a half here. Obviously at three, it's not nearly as valuable, but the, the Dolphins season is just, I don't want to say it's over, but it's looking pretty overish here. Um, <laughs> at the very least, maybe they get a game, you know, sort of win to get in game uh, next week against the Jets, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. To me, this is a Patriots or nothing play. Yeah, totally understand it there. I think the move to three for me was just more the, the reason to jump on this, but I totally see it going either way. Field goal game, I'll sit on three points and, and hope and pray <laughs> to, to keep it simple there. Uh, we'll keep it moving with the Saints at the Eagles. 
Eagles at home in favor by six and a half points. Um, this one, we're looking at another Minshew game. We're thinking that, that was a, a spicy game, to say the least, last week against the Dallas Cowboys and the Saints going to Cleveland, win a tough game, but everyone's still kind of confused over the game plan being run by the Saints in said game in Cleveland. Um, I like the Saints here. I just think the Saints, if they can figure out the team that they actually have, if that makes sense, like, yeah. hey, I get that Sean Payton used to use Taysom Hill way too much, and you don't have to use him way too much. Yeah. You can still use him, figure yeah. that out in weather especially. Yeah. Either way, though, I like the Saints. Uh, give me the six and a half points. And um, this one, though, I'm going to ask you, comes down to the line. And is this a Minshew line or is this a Jalen Hurts line? Well, so let's go back to last week, right, where, you know, you and I talked about how obviously the line had moved some, you know, sort of one and a half from the Cowboys. Got as high as six and a half, sort of stabilized at six, then dipped back down to four and a half. And I think it got down to about four, right, which sort of indicated, as you and I had talked about, how maybe the Minshew to Hertz gap isn't necessarily as big as, you know, everyone thinks. Now, if you went and you bet on the Eagles, you had a really good bet for what, 58 and a half minutes in that yeah. game, right? Like that's just a bad beat, right? Let's just not, you know, you can't beat yourself up necessarily about that. You know, they're up 10 points. They're certainly up three points when Miles Sanders fumbles the ball. Uh, you know, even, even obviously, right, like the Eagles still had a chance to win that game with a final drive. And so it wasn't Gardner Minshew, you know, he wasn't the reason they lost the game. And that I think is actually kind of the problem for the Eagles for me right now is that like the defense is what let them down. And that's been the thing that is sort of like being a bit of an issue, you know, when they lose games or, you know, come close to losing games because teams are able to take advantage of, you know, the bad, you know, bad run defense and the way the, the commanders were able to take advantage of it. And so, you know, I'm just kind of like watching that game, like going, okay, first and foremost, how do we adjust the Eagles? And where is this line going to kind of fall? Because a Hertz line would be about seven and a half in this game. And a Minshew, uh, you know, prior to playing last week, that line's probably closer to like four and a half, five, something along those lines. But when Minshew plays well, you adjust the Eagles upwards and you tighten that range of their play. And so we saw this get to seven which I thought was, you know, really sort of weird because like, why is this seven, which sort of suggested Hertz is going to play in this game. And they haven't announced, you know, one way or another, there is the added element, by the way, that right. Like the, the Eagles have the draft pick of the saints from their trade last year, their first round pick. So it behooves the Eagles to beat the saints, even if they didn't already want to win this game, which of course they do because they didn't clinch the, uh, the division last week. So they're going to go full bore here, and the line was seven, and now it's down to six and a half, which to me tells me, okay, we're leaning a little bit more against Hertz playing and it being Minshew back here again. And maybe the Saints are finally getting even just like the tiniest bit of credit. Yeah, the, the game plan to start the game last week was really weird, but it, they won the game because the Browns <laughs> had a weirder game plan because they couldn't <laughs> figure out that throwing the ball with Deshaun Watson wasn't a great idea, and at least – the Saints eventually got around to running the ball with both Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. So I, I, I'm with you. I like the Saints here too. Um, there's an added element to this game, and this is where we start getting a little loose when it comes to different things. And if your sports book has uh, look-ahead lines available, you know, people kind of beat up on look-ahead lines because they're like, you can't get that much money down. But like the people who are listening to this podcast and the most people out there 
don't have issues not being able to get enough money down, right? When you're betting <laughs> 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks, whatever, you know, you don't having problems getting limited. You're just a guy who wants to watch the game and have a bet and sort of know who to pick and where the value is and all of that sort of thing. So honestly, go ahead and bet a look ahead line. There is a certain website out there that rhymes with Schmet Schmee Schmixty five, and they have look ahead lines up there right now. And so you can start kind of playing around with this week's results into next week's results. And so mm -hmm. Shell, if you go and you look at the week 18 lines that are up at, at Schmet Schmee Schmixty five, um, don't ask me to do that five times fast. If you look at it, the uh, Cowboys Commanders game, for example, the Commanders are four and a half point favorites right now against the Cowboys. That sounds a little bit odd to you, right? The Eagles are only one and a half point favorites at home to the Giants right now. Does that sound a little bit odd to you, right? Both those look ahead lines are on the assumption that the Eagles and Cowboys don't have anything to play for. Well, that assumption certainly not coming because they think the Cowboys are going to lose on Thursday night to the Titans. That assumption is coming on the, them thinking the Eagles are going to beat the Saints. And listen, they probably are, but there is a money line and it's what plus 240 ish when it comes to the Saints not necessarily dying to bet the money line on the saints at plus 240 but if you bet the saints money line and they win we're already looking ahead to the eagles that eagles game mattering in week 18 and now the cowboys game matters and now you're getting you know a plus 175 cowboys money line and an eagles at minus one and a half or a minus 130 money line so instead of just betting the Saints money line for a little bit, how about we take the Saints money line and parlay it in, in, in this tied together parlay with the Saints, uh, excuse me, with the Eagles next week and with the Cowboys next week as an underdog? Because by the time next week rolls around, if the Saints win the game, now again, this isn't some surefire thing, but that three game parlay comes out to over 15 to one. So we're not talking about plus 250 or whatever with the Saints here. We're kind of talking about 15 to 1 with the Saints. Now, again, that doesn't necessarily mean the Cowboys are going to win next week or the Eagles are going to win next week. But the Eagles are going to be something more like a full touchdown favorite against the Giants next, next week. And the Cowboys even on the road against the Commanders in a game that matters to them. That might not make all that much difference to the Commanders. They're going to be favored. So we're gonna we're talking about some value here again. If the Saints win the game, now you might be saying, like, "Oh, there's no chance the Saints are gonna win the game." I mean, feel free to pay attention to every week in the NFL. There's always a chance one team beats another team, especially in the Saints, where again, unlike most of these other teams, they're still hanging in there. There are still reasons, and a lot of the stuff that we're gonna talk about the rest of the way here is me for like an hour and a half today, just going through the playoff simulator or the regular season simulator on ESPN. And a lot of times the saints show up as the division champion, depending on the, the various permutations for this week. So when it comes to this game, yeah, I like the saints, you know, against the spread a little bit kind of feels like a game where either the Eagles, you know, like most games, they the Eagles win by 20 or the underdog actually has something and is able to take advantage to some of the injuries, by the way, that came from last week's game, right? Lane Johnson out for this game and for the rest of the regular season for the Eagles. A couple of defensive players, Avante Maddox being one of them, that are potentially out here. For an Eagles team that, by the way, lost that game defensively 
last week. You're going to get better conditions here for the Saints. I imagine, you know, Chris Alave is going to be back. Hopefully Jarvis Landry is going to be back. At least Andy Dalton is going to be able to throw the ball a little bit. They're going to have sort of a, certainly a more a multi-dimensional offense than they did at Cleveland last week. So yeah, let's throw together that little parlay and see what happens because if the Saints win, that thing's live at 15 to 1 with the with the Eagles next week and the Cowboys next week needing to win their games and being engaged in week 18 and being heavy favorites in each of their games. I like it. I like it a lot, my dude. I like it a lot. Uh we move on to the Panthers at the Bucks. Tampa Bay at home favored by 3 points and what a Christmas I don't even know what to call that performance oh, yeah. <laughs> that was on Christmas night by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we've been here telling you, you know, the Bucks have been a gong show for the last few weeks, despite the fact that somehow Tom Brady keeps pulling, pulling out dubs at the end and making their record, keeping them alive here in, in the pathetic playoff race that is their division. Yeah. But within that division, Carolina Panthers who've also been playing really well as of late. For that reason, I am on the Panthers. Panthers had a big win last week against the Lions. You've you've actually enlightened me over the last month or so, just in terms of the spiciness, as I like to call it, of said Panthers, a team that now somehow, some way, have an outside shot. <laughs> it's super weird what's going on here. But either way, you're talking about giving me points against the Bucks. I'm going to take the points against the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, hard to sort of argue that. Um, I will say, and again, this is based on the fact that like the, the the Bucks have been rated the way they've been rated. And look at it last week. It's funny, you and I came on the pod. The line was six and a half. You're like, I can't lay six and a half with the Bucks. Like as we were finishing the podcast within a day, basically, that line was up to seven and a half. And it's just, you're just sitting there going like, how? How are we going up to seven and a half? There was even an eight at one point touching there. And we talked about how the, even at six and a half, the play for the Bucks, you know, Tom Brady against Trace McSorley, the play was the tease, right? And I'm tying everything I can possibly find, right? Anything it doesn't like, you know, anything I get my hands on, I'm teasing to the Bucks. And so now I've got all this like Bucks liability and I just need them to win by two points. And I'm watching that game on Christmas night, like just ready to like, you know, burn the whole thing to the ground. I'm like, I'm not even asking you guys to cover this ridiculous number. <laughs> and honestly, like if it wasn't for, and a lot of these Bucks games, by the way, like they keep showing up against teams that have like a weird thing going on themselves where it's hard to sort of definitely fade the buck. You know what I mean? Like I, I would have loved to fade the Bucks, but it's like, yeah, but you are still betting Trace McSorley here. Like if yeah. it was Colt McCoy, I could have done it. And obviously Kyler, you know, theoretically could have done it. But like a lot of their games, it's like, yeah, but it is in Germany. Or it is like, you know, like there's just a, every game, it seems like there's some sort of issue with the opposing team that would make, you know, talk yourself into betting on the Bucks here. So I, I say all that to say, like this line was seven. I grabbed the Panthers plus seven long before the game, you know, on Sunday night hit because obviously these you know the lines are sort of popping that was the weird thing about having these games on saturday where a bunch of these games come up on saturday and a bunch of books open up the lines for week 17 after saturday with four games still left to go 
And so like Carolina was plus seven. I was like, I honestly don't even really care what happens on Sunday night because that's a fake game too against the Arizona Cardinals. And sure enough, like it was pretty fake. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to grab this seven. Then it opens five and a half on Monday morning. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like got a little value there on my plus seven. And then like nothing really happens other than everybody just kind of looks around and says, give me some Carolina at plus five and a half, right? This wasn't an injury move by and large. I mean, yeah, there's some, you know, obviously offensive line issues for the Bucks, but that hasn't stopped anybody up until this point. And so everybody's like, yeah, give me some Carolina, give me some Carolina, give me some Carolina. So like by and large, the value has kind of been sucked out of this because you go, okay, well, where do we need to rate the Buccaneers on, you know, to, to have, as you would say, like make this line make sense, so to speak, right? So we need to get the Buccaneers obviously down below sort of average, right? They're in the 45 to 47 type range. Everybody might be looking around going like, yeah, that makes total sense to me because this team stinks. And it's why I wouldn't tell you to bet on the Buccaneers by any stretch of the imagination, right? I'm dying for the Panthers to win this game because we got to get the Bucs out of the playoff picture like as fast as we possibly can. But again, a lot of this stuff, you're going, okay, that plus seven doesn't really help me. That plus five and a half doesn't really help me. It's three right now. Here's what I would say. And this is more obviously having to do with the Carolina Panthers. Next week, Carolina goes to New Orleans. Okay. So if Carolina, if Tampa Bay wins this game, the NFC uh, South is over with, right? Nothing, nothing matters anymore, right? And so Carolina right now is plus three on the look ahead line against the Saints. So... I don't know about you, but like I'll take the team who's built to kind of just run and like hit you in the mouth in a game against the Saints, who have obviously been eliminated because the Bucs will have won the division. I'll take them plus three next week. I'll take them plus three right now, and we'll see what happens. Okay, what if Carolina wins this game? Carolina plus three also sounds really good because now they're playing the Saints, you know, obviously for a division title, as sort of crazy yeah. as that sounds next week. So I'll take that as well. Here's the other element to all of this. If the Bucks win, nothing matters next week. They play Atlanta. Right now, the look-ahead line is a pick'em between them and Atlanta next week. Mm. Okay, so you with me on this? Yep. So if Tampa wins this game, the game next week is meaningless against Atlanta. Do you think Tom Brady is going anywhere near that football game with a playoff game the following week? No. <laughs> You're getting Blaine Gabbert in that game. Yeah. And not only are you getting Blaine Gabbert, you're getting Blaine Gabbert with a bad offensive line. You're probably not getting the Mike Evanses of the worlds and the Chris Godwins of the worlds, right? You're like, maybe you're lucky to get a Russell Gage in your life, right? Like, it's, it's you know, uh, what's the Keyshawn Vaughn or whatever his name is, the running, like the fourth string running back on the Bucks who got some run in that game. So you could put together a Bucks-Falcons parlay that pays a lot better than just betting the Bucks. Or will or than just betting the Falcons next week. on the and you're yeah. going like okay yeah but I like Carolina in this game. Well, here's the other element: Tampa Bay at Atlanta is a pick'em next week because we don't know if that game is going to matter or not. But if Carolina wins this game around plus one thirty on the money line this week, then you can bet. And if you parlay them with Tampa Bay next week in a must-win game, Tampa Bay isn't going to be pick'em on the road against Atlanta. They're going to yeah. be like minus three, minus three and a half, right? The juice, you know, they're going to get ju juiced up on the point spread once that happens. So you can make both of those parlays right now. Mm -hmm. 
And one of them pays like, you know, plus 350. The other one pays like plus two something. And you can make both parlays right now, knowing that no matter what happens this week, you're either going to have the Buccaneers at a plus price, you know, plus whatever price to win a important game against the Falcons, who have already basically like phoned it, you know, packed it in at this point. Or you're getting Carolina, you know, uh, obviously you'll have cashed a big, you know, not big, but like a money line price with one leg. And then the next leg is, is the Buccaneers. You know what I mean? Like, so you're either getting a Blaine Gabbert situation or you're getting a buck situation where those, you know, in both cases, like the line isn't going to be pick them next week between Atlanta and Tampa Bay, at which point when all said and done, you're going to, you know, realize the math's getting a little heavy here, but like at at which point you're going to be able to bet, you're going to be able to take the points in either of those games. So if you bet both of these parlays this week, so let me do this again. Tampa Bay this week, right, to win, not to cover, to win, with Atlanta against Tampa Bay next week. (laughs) And then the other version is Carolina to win on the money line this week, Mm -hmm. right, with Tampa Bay next week, because that'll mean that it matters for Tampa Bay. So when you split those across, you're going to have about even money no matter what. Now, again, like I said, if Tampa Bay wins, Atlanta is going to be a favorite and you can take, if you want, you can either just ride it out with the Falcons or you can take Tampa Bay plus whatever points you're going to get with Blaine Gabbert involved. If Carolina wins, now you've got, now you can grab the points with Atlanta and try to hit a middle. So there's a lot of sort of fun stuff that you can do at this point, right? So it doesn't really help you as far as Carolina plus three is concerned, but if you play both ways, you don't have to really pay attention to this game. You just sort of wait and see what happens as it pertains to rolling into week 18. I got you. I got you. Uh, Interested to hear your take on this game as we have the Vikings at the Packers. Packers at home, favored by three and a half points. And I'll be the first one to rag on Minnesota for being frauds, and I can't wait to fade them in the playoffs. All that is cool. More than a field goal underdog to the Packers, this throws me off. I remember the whole thing a couple weeks ago against the Lions. Lions were home favorites against Minnesota. I get that. I understand that. And I would have been the sucker taking the Vikings, except for the fact that it was under a field goal. And I know how the game actually turned out, and that – Little difference didn't matter. I get that. But I'm sticking to that same principle here in the sense that now that it's over a field goal, I feel like I got to take the Vikings. I'm a sucker here. I'm (laughs) taking the Vikings at the plus three and a half. Yeah, I mean, there has been money coming in on the plus three and a half so that now like three is kind of more of a prominent line, but that's juiced towards Green Bay. So the number is really kind of about three and a quarter, right? So to get the plus three and a half, you're going to have to pay a little juice for that, right? Which is obviously, you know, different. So, you know, if you're pool at home, you know, a lot of the lines kind of get set on Monday and they'll have sort of stale lines and you're getting a plus three and a half. Like, I can understand how that would be the case. But like, regardless of whether we're talking about just that Lions game or every game they've played since, <laughs> what is telling you that the Vikings are any good? You know what I mean? Being down 33 points to the Colts. Like, yeah, they came back. And I suppose you could make that argument. But, like, no. And, like, last week, like, you know, they get the lead. You know, again, I was on the stupid Vikings last week because I'm like, well, I'm a moron, apparently. Um, And they, but they take, you know, seven, you know, point lead. And you're like, like two minutes left. Yeah. Okay. But, like, the defense can't stop Daniel Jones and the Giants. So, like, 
I can't do it against Daniel Jones. I can't do it against Matt Ryan. Like can't do it against Jerry Goff. Like can't... when are they supposed to do it? So like, it's funny because they, in a lot of cases this season, I guess it's been three straight since they have covered, right? But like early in the season, like the Vikings were covering anyway, despite everybody kind of going like, yeah, their defense is bad. The offense is not efficient by any metric on the planet. And, you know, the point differential is like historically bad for how, like how good their record is. And they're 11 and 0 in one score games. Like, I'm sorry. Like, 11 and 0 is not sustainable. Like, again, we've no. talked about it before. We asked them to flip their record in one score games from last year, from like, you know, whatever that was. You know, I think they were like four and seven. Like, we just asked them to go seven and four and you'll be in the playoffs. And like, they did that. But like, this team is just lucky as hell, man. Like, they are just lucky as hell. And like, I don't think the Packers are really any good either. I got the Packers minus two and a half. Again, that doesn't really help anybody out there. So that's not all that fun. Um, there, there isn't anything uh, as far as like the, you know, kind of look ahead line, like what can we kind of play around with? Obviously, everybody's kind of hoping for a Detroit Green Bay kind of like win in your in type of game. That's kind of thematic for week 18, right? What does the NFL want? If you want to get into conspiracy theories, what does the NFL want? They want win in your in type matchups. They want both teams engaged. They want to be able to throw a couple games on Saturday. They want to throw that Sunday nighter in and be a win in your in, no matter what type of deal. And they want obviously a handful of games to be interesting to take away from some of the, you know, Kansas City versus Vegas type games in our lives, right? The Chargers Broncos game that's not, you know, likely to mean mean all that much. And so uh, you know, there's nothing to sort of tie in here other than the idea that like, man, there might be a couple of calls one way or another going the ways of the Packers, going the ways <laughs> of the Lions. There's a couple other games that we'll talk about here shortly that you might be shaking your head about sort of what goes down because the NFL is, a, you know, kind of a weird type of a deal here with some of the rulings that we've seen over these last few weeks. Yeah, not saying that's a reason to make a bet. The reason to make a bet on the Packers here is because the Vikings are dreadful. And I'm like, <laughs> like they have arguably the best player in the league in Justin Jefferson. And it's funny that like, it's impossible. Like anybody ever bets a wide receiver to win the MVP from now until the end of time is just a moron. Because if this wasn't the reason, if this guy wasn't the singular reason that the Vikings win games and should be considered the most valuable player, no one can be. Right. He'll win offensive player of the year. Right. Which we've got bets on from before the season. He'll he'll have the most receiving yards. Maybe he'll even break a record. Who knows what happens down the stretch here. But like, yeah, never, ever, ever bet a wide receiver to win MVP because if Justin Jefferson can't get credit for this Viking season, nobody can. I got gotcha. you. And speaking of never, ever, ever, I am never, ever, ever betting on the Colts. Um, obviously, I'm being facetious here, but. In terms of this pick, Colts at the Giants. Giants are six-point home favorites. And the Colts, I mean, when you're out here still trying to trot out Nick Foles here to, like, ride it out, see if he can create a little magic here, it's just like, what are we doing? Can we just wrap up this season of Colts football already? (laughs) Give me the Giants minus the six points. I know that it's the Giants and their offense has been very, like, gross at times here six points never want to lay that much with the giants but again i can't ride with the colts i'm just it's it's such a tight walk with the giants and the idea of like laying points with them right because it has to be 
like a 20 to 10 type of a game, right? Like they cannot give up any points here because they're just not going to be able to score that many points, right? And you can score, like we just talked about, you can score on the Vikings. Colts are harder to score on, right? Like the Chargers did not go up and down the field against that Colts no. team, despite the fact that Nick Foles was getting sacked every second play and on the other plays he was throwing interceptions, right? And like even that game was like took a while for the Chargers to kind of like stretch the game out. And that's a team with Justin Herbert slinging the ball all over the place, right? And so like now that the thing, you know, I, gra- I, I bet it at minus five early on the week, so I'm with you. But like now that I sort of look at it, it's like, oh, God, like that's pretty, pretty rough. Um, this line, listen, and thank God we do this on Wednesday instead of like Tuesday morning, because I'd be doing a half hour on how stupid it was that the market had the Colts at minus three and a half. Like I jumped at the chance to bet it at minus four. And I get the only time I ever get sort of offended by something in the gambling space, the sports betting space is when a line goes against me and nobody can tell me what the reason is that the line's going against me right because that's just stupid and no one could tell me like oh yeah uh minus four is too much for the chargers and like the chargers are getting healthier like playing better you know on both sides of the ball and like and people would be like yeah nick Foles, i don't really love it but and it's like if you don't love it you've probably watched football for the last five seasons or basically since he won this the super bowl and you know that nick Foles is awful and he's also in a bad situation, right? This isn't Nick Foles like taking over the 49ers, you know, at this point. He's in a yeah. bad situation with like, un, you know, bad running backs, not particularly good wide receivers, an offensive line who couldn't protect, hasn't been able to protect all season long, you know, and that poor defense is doing the best they can, but like there's only so much that they can do. They're not exactly loaded with star power. And so the fact that that line basically didn't move, the look ahead for that game was minus three, it moved to four and then got bet people were like plus four with the Colts I'm totally into that like it just never ever made any sense that line that that point spread you know with that rating of the Colts would suggest that this line should be two for -hmm. the Giants so now we have to understand that when we're betting on the Giants here or in this case sort of let's be honest it's a fate of the Colts that we are kind of giving away kind of a chunk of you know, of equity in a lot of ways, right? Like we've, we're already going with the big um, reaction, right? Like we have now, we have now uh, burned Nick Foles down to the point where it's gone from minus two to minus six. It's not usually how you make profit betting on the NFL when you sort of like go along with it. Obviously there's sort of an, you know, intrinsic element here of like giants can clinch a playoff spot and like the Meadowlands, the, you know, MetLife stadium is going to be rocking. And like, I kind of buy into that in week 17 and 18, right? Because like, those are the weeks where like the, the finish line is visible and the, you know, I mean, the crowd is going to be like so hyped. And again, it's Nick Foles. So it's easy to sort of pick on Nick Foles and the idea that like he might get sacked 10 times in this game you might throw a handful of, of interceptions here right but like he's trying to throw it up he's try- he, right and it was like yeah the idea that like oh nick Foles is in and now they're going to like throw the long ball and it's like nick Foles isn't good at that like he got away <laughs> with it that one year again who knows what he did to sort of you know sell his soul for that situation but like yeah man it's a bad it's a bad scene but like this line Honestly, like six is a tough one, man. So, you know, yeah. not, not being all that helpful necessarily, but like when this was five, that indicated a rating of like 25 for the Colts. 
which, you know, honestly, I think it's a touch low. And the Giants at 37, they've kind of lingered around 30s. They're going to make the playoffs as a 37, you know, this season. And that's kind of where they've been all season long. You can bump them up a little bit higher. So, you know, I guess five makes sense. Six is starting to get a little out of control for me. But, yeah, I know that doesn't really help anybody uh, once we've kind of um, seen this market kind of, um, you know, flush itself out here. Uh, speaking of said market, we move on to the Browns and the Commanders. What are the market saying about the Commanders being two-point favorites at home? We talked a little bit earlier about the Browns and their refusal to run the ball last week and opting to throw the ball in like crazy winds last yeah. week. Like just what's going on here? But here we are against the Commandos, and I can't believe I'm doing this, and I'm taking the points and the Cleveland Browns. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this a lot, but I'm taking the points here. Yeah. And you didn't even say the words Carson Wentz at this point, right? And because that's the gentleman who's involved in our lives uh, yet again. And so maybe the, re maybe the reason to take the Browns is literally just one, you know, one more chance, another chance to fade Carson Wentz. Man, I'd be totally fine with that if, that, if, that was, <laughs> if that's what you wanted to do. This line opened two and a half. I think everybody was sort of fingers crossed seeing we might get three. Oh, if they announce that Wentz is in, maybe that'll push this line to three. No, no, none of that happened because my number for this is literally like a half point for the commanders. Obviously a way better game situation because as much as we sort of laugh at the Browns and like and a little bit for the Saints as well, you can't take anything from that game because that game was played basically on like Mars, right? On like yeah. just watching that Cleveland, even the field was brown, right? Like somehow they decided, you know, paint the entire field brown to, to go with the vibe of the Cleveland Browns. And so I'm not going to use that game at all. At least Deshaun Watson was out there running around from like an experiential standpoint. Could he throw against the commanders? It's certainly possible, right? Like, again, now he's got his fourth game, his fourth week of practice, et cetera, et cetera. And again, Carson Wentz probably going to turn the ball over a few times, right? Because that's what Carson Wentz does. And so whether, you know, I don't think it was because Carson Wentz is <laughs> got announced in that this line went from two and a half to two, because honestly, that's just not very big of a move. It really has more to do with the fact that this line never really should have been two and a half in the first place. And we all just kind of had to take a day to get over the fact that that Browns game plan was so dumb. And that Stefanski is just another one of the long line of dumb coaches in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, Cleveland very live to win this game, but. You know, I think you're probably you're probably I mean, listen, you're getting a point or two because the commanders need to win this game because they're, you know, obviously in the hunt for the playoffs. And if they win their last two games, again, see how it all is all tied in, right? Like they can win this game, but they're either gonna be four and a half point favorites, maybe against the the Cowboys, maybe even higher if that game doesn't matter. But if it does matter, and if the Saints do win, then all of a sudden, the you know, now the Commanders are in tough next week against the Cowboys, right? All of this stuff weirdly sort of hinges on the Saints and Eagles game, which makes that game kind of obviously the most interesting game of the week with everybody's eyes kind of watching it, even if you're a Commanders fan, a Giants fan, a Cowboys, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, lots, of, you know, lots happening with that one game. But the Commanders are very live to win, uh, not win a wild card, but like get a wild card and get into the playoffs here. So I think that's why you're getting a couple extra points here. But I have no bet on this game. 
I got you. Um, what about the Jags and the Texans? Uh, two of my favorite teams to bet on against the spread, even though they might not be two of the teams that get headlines across the NFL for positive reasons. Uh, Jags, four and a half point favorites, primed in the Vegas zone on the road in or sorry, against the Texans. I was about to say in Texas, which is technically still correct, but you know what I mean. Anyways, the yeah. Texans played last Thursday night. And I mean, oh, sorry, the Jags played last Thursday yeah. night. Um, meanwhile, the Texans balled out against the Titans. And by balled out, I mean, they won their second game of the season. I mean, was that their Super Bowl? Was that their second half Super Bowl? I don't right. know. Yeah. Um, but these two teams played earlier on this season, and that's where I'm going to kind of ask you where to lean here. I'm laying on the Jags just because I feel like uh, they're just in a prime spot right now. They've, they've, they're seeing the light of a chance here to make the playoffs. And Trevor Lawrence has been playing well, but I still don't feel comfortable laying four and a half points on the road. Well, you can feel comfortable in not backing the Texans. Right. Like I know that the last few weeks, like that has not been necessarily profitable, but like, and listen, we said the same thing last week, right? Cow that Cowboys game, very strange, but you know, the Cowboys had some excuses for maybe not being super locked in in that game. That's when the Texans started their multiple um, quarterback type situation. Damian Pierce was still around to be able to score, um, you know, with the Cowboys, if you will. Then the next week, they go to overtime with Kansas City, and nobody watched that game. But if you had watched that game, you'd realize that the Kansas City Chiefs had over 200 more yards than the Houston Texans. And honestly, if the Titans at this point were any sort of a team, they would have walked over the Texans last week. But like, so the Texans keep sort of walking through the door of opportunity in order to like get close to a, to a victory. That being said, if they had any organizational structure or any management whatsoever, there would be somebody there just throwing a lasso or some sort of reins on Lovey Smith and just saying, dude, you cannot win any more games because they are a half game up on the Browns or down on the Browns, depending on how you look at it, Browns, the Bears, <laughs> uh, depending on how you look at it for the first overall pick. Now, listen, the Bears get the first overall pick. Are they going to take a quarterback? No, that's like literally the only position they have handled. But they also might trade the bleep out of that to somebody who wants to get the first overall pick. Now, is there some Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence style first overall pick, you know, in the draft? No, there isn't. So maybe they get away with just being in second, uh, second last. That being said, the Jaguars, like the like the Titans. I hate that the Texans and the Titans are so closely named and they play each other twice a year and they're in the same division. Yeah. I'm sure yes, everybody really bo is bothered by that. Um, the Titan, unlike the Titans, or like the Titans, I should say, they also don't have anything to technically play for in this game and could rest everybody for the game next week. But you'll remember the game that arguably got Doug Peterson fired a few years ago where they openly tanked against the Commanders screwing over the Giants, moving up their draft pick, et cetera, et cetera. That has scarred Doug Peterson since he was sort of instructed, if you will, to, to start your boy Nate Sudfeld. He he's already talked about this this week, today. He's not tanking any games. We are trying to win every football game here. We got a little momentum going here. We are setting ourselves up, you know, blah, 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 blah. They are going to try in this game. They lost the Texans' other win this year. 
other than last week because i was trying to think about this i was like uh, i was sitting back because like i remember them tying the first game i was like when did the texans win a football game and it, we actually had them on the money line in the round rob money line parlay at jacksonville earlier this year but they got outgained in that game by like 200 yards to the jaguars yeah. so it's not like we've seen this matchup and we're like oh yeah these two teams can you know are pretty equal or like or played to you know pretty equal you know standpoint the jags dominated that game in the box score and lost the game 10 to 6 Right. So the Texans games that they are winning here are when teams somehow only score like 10 points. Right. Or obviously a small amount of points. That's not yeah. what the Jaguars are looking to do here. Right. The Jags are looking to score. Trevor Lawrence is so much better than he was at the start of the season when that game happened the first time around. And it's not like they didn't gain yards in that for that first game. They gained yards in that game. The Jags should be able to do whatever they want on offense now that they sort of figured out who their guys are. You know, no more James Robinson. It's all Travis Etienne. We got these wide receivers that Lawrence is more comfortable with. Uh, since they got back from London, right, much, much better player is Trevor Lawrence. They had to deal with that the weather elements and the Jets defense last week. That was no fun. The fun part was going against Zach Wilson. I'm not sure anybody on the Texans, you know, at least from an offensive standpoint, is any better than Zach Wilson. I think the Jags absolutely hammer the Texans. And that, you know, if you're if you're buying into the Texans, it's on the, under the sort of misguided concept that the Jags don't need the game and aren't going to try, or that the Texans are somehow good all of a sudden because of these <laughs> last few weeks. But again, from a yardage standpoint, that just has not been the case here. I think this is sort of a free opportunity here. My numbers make the Jags closer to six, six and a half. This is, you know, I think we're getting a couple of free points here. With the Jags, I think they win this game pretty comfortably with the Texans getting their one last win. Because, again, they should not want to win games here down the stretch. And might run into one next week, by the way. <laughs> yes. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Uh, we move on to the Jets, who are a point-and-a-half favorites in Seattle against the Seahawks. What happened to Geno Smith in the Seahawks this season? What a fall from grace. It's almost like the tale of two seasons. There's whispers of people trying to talk us into Geno in the MVP race for like a week or two or something. But yeah, I mean, Niners fan, yeah, I'm going to keep my bias, Seattle bias out of this. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're looking at a short number here between these two teams. And with the short number and all signs pointing to Mike White, I like the Jets defense still feel like they can come up big here in Seattle and the game is they're trying to make the playoffs. So give me the, the jets and I will lay the point and a half. Yeah. It's tough because we got pretty high with the jets rating when Mike white took over, right? We really skedaddled ourselves up close to kind of close to 50, essentially, as we like to say, right? Like that's even, you know, mm -hmm. dead, even dead average. Right. So, so we got, we got pretty high up there, but we didn't really get to sort of see it through because he ends up getting hurt. And by the way, of all the things that the NFL media and everybody talks about and this, that, and all the other things, no one talks about Mike White being allowed back in that game against Buffalo as like an, as like an indictment about Robert Sala. Like, what? The guy missed, had to miss the next two games, and they decided, you know, from a medical standpoint and a sort of you know, coaching standpoint, that being down, were they two touchdowns, 11 points, whatever it was, that they needed to have Mike White in that game. Like, yeah. what an insanely stupid coach. You know, what an insanely stupid coaching decision that is. Like, 
They could have won these last couple of games if they had just not let him. And it's not like he didn't take shots when he came back in. That guy got yeah. drilled a couple of times, right? He did. And so, like, they could have won these last couple of games. And, so, you know, I mean, listen, Jackson, you know, who knows what happens against Jacksonville in that game. And obviously, I got to think they beat Detroit if Mike White's the quarterback two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So all that is to say, I can't. I, I just struggle getting back to the point where we thought the Jets might be with Mike White as far as from a rating standpoint. So for this yeah. number to be, you know, two, you know, you've got one and a half there. So it's been around two, you know, sort of touch two and a half. Thought we might get three. Three would have been a bet on 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 contact <laughs> once it hit three, but it never did. The rating's getting really high here for the Jets and, and on the sort of assumption of Mike White. And it's getting really low on the Seahawks. And the Seahawks have had it kind of rough, right? San Francisco and Kansas City back-to-back are kind of a tough deal. Now, you're right about the Jets' defense. Like, that's not going to be a picnic either. Here, let's go go full conspiracy theory uh, at this point. This is the game that if the Jets win this game, it sets up a Jets-Dolphins win-in-your-in game. Like, if you're Roger Goodell throw that directly into his veins, right? That is exactly what he wants. A New York team with a winner going, you know, against Miami. Now the the bummer is probably not going to involve Tua, but conceptually, who knows, man, they've done weirder things. Maybe it does involve Tua. So I look at this and I go like, oh God, do I want to be betting on the Seahawks knowing that it's been pretty rough for the last little bit? and you might have a call or two go against you and that and you know what i mean and that sort of thing so i don't get i don't have i don't have the jets favored here necessarily or like it takes me a while to get there right it takes a pretty high rating for the jets and a pretty low rating for the seahawks but i can't it's not enough for me to bet the seahawks unless it got to three and we've already seen the resistance hit at two and a half or two so you know, maybe it's just try to grab the Jets at minus one for a little extra juice there and just kind of assume that the uh, NFL is going to push this uh, push this Jets, you know, win to get in game against the Dolphins next week when that game would be around to pick them, especially without Tua um, and could get, you know, could get flexed into a Saturday, could be used as the Sunday night game. Right. You'll remember in week 18, all the games right now are scheduled for one o'clock. Uh, you know, on all sort of any sort of platform or whatever, they're not all being played at one o'clock, right? Some are going to be played on Saturday, I presume, as they have been over the last few years. And of course, there's going to be one selected for Sunday night. And there's a couple of fun little options here. So um, yeah, best of luck on on this game. Sorry, everybody, I can't really help you here either. Uh, But you know, the best I can do is sort of tell you that, uh, that it behooves the NFL for the Jets to win this game. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, How about R-A-M-S, Rams, Rams, Rams on Christmas Day? What? Uh, The Rams now, I I was going to say had to, but stay in L.A. to take on (laughs) the Chargers. The Chargers are six-and-a-half-point favorites. The Battle of L.A., we might call it. Uh, Both teams coming off wins. The Chargers clinched a playoff spot. The Rams clinched themselves. An opportunity to try to talk themselves into Baker Mayfield. Somehow, some way, they put up a 50-burger. I didn't even think that was possible. But anyways, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm riding with Baker and company two weeks in a row here as they're getting points. The Rams are in this weird place where, like, they are trying, right? Like, they're, it doesn't 
they don't yeah. need to lose. They don't have picks to to help them. So why not yeah. go out here and try to win? Baker's playing for his life, playing for his career. Give me the six and a half points. Yeah, and honestly, if you read the tea leaves, right, like maybe this is Sean McVay's last two games with the Rams, right? So like he's going nuts with regards to game plans and like proving that he can like make it work with Baker Mayfield, who like as much as you and I complain about him, the dumber Stefanski looks at, at every decision and game plan that he sort of comes along with. And the less uh, Matt Rule is employed in the NFL, i.e. getting fired halfway through the season, you start to go, you know what? Like maybe Baker Mayfield with an offensive, like a strong offensive mind, like, I don't know, a Lincoln Riley from back when he was at Oklahoma and winning the Heisman and being the first pick overall or a Sean McVay, like maybe that actually does work because as much as we've been like ripping Russell Wilson and you, you know, you're going to say, how do you score 50 points? Well, well, if Russell Wilson and then eventually Brett Rippon are throwing interceptions to you over and over and over again, like, yeah, you probably rack up 50 points relatively quickly without having to do all that much. But to me, 50, it's still 50. You're right. (laughs) But like, there was a lot of defensive scores or near scores. Um, but the impressive stuff is is Mayfield being efficient, right? They, you know, one week he's he's got the playbook down for a two minute drill to you know listen. It's the Raiders, but still a fo- you know beat a football team. You know, honestly, against the Packers, I didn't even really hate him all that much. I was on you know on the Packers laying the points, and it was kind of scary for a long time there. And then last week, right? I think he what he had four incompletions the entire game. And so the Chargers on a short week coming home, you know, Monday night game where they clinched their first playoff spot in like five years since the Phil Rivers era. Like, and you're you're not the home team, right? You're like, you're almost the road team at this point. You know, certainly the other team probably feels a little more homey than than you do. And, And by the way, like we're talking about six and a half points here. This was eight and a half in the look ahead line. So normally I'd be like, oh, there's a little bit of value here. But like, it's because we didn't really think all that much of the Rams who were, by the way, not favored in that game against the Broncos. And like, we didn't even really put up much of a fuss about it, despite the fact that, you know, eventually Nathaniel Hackett rightfully was going to get canned a couple of days later. So like bad call on our parts, but you're right, man. Like, I think like the Rams are trying because you're, they don't have a, you know, they don't have a pick. McVay might be trying to do one last sort of like, see what I can do to like get himself a TV contract and then get himself that, you know, the Gruden $10 million a year deal when he comes eventually comes out of um, retirement or coaching retirement, if you will. This is all assuming he's not coming back to the Rams. Honestly, why would you come back to the Rams? Cause you know, you could sign Baker Mayfield in the off season, but like, is that enough to, bring you back. I don't know. Uh, and obviously Baker Mayfield's got his career to think of. And Cam Akers, by the way, the running back who like was DOA, like he was out of the league mid season where he was just like getting sat and didn't you know want to play. All of a yeah. sudden he's running up a storm, right? There's a lot of Crazy. guys playing for stuff out there. And so, yeah, like if you're the chargers and right now you're sort of looking, listen, they'd love to have the five seed conceptually. Cause that means you go to Jacksonville instead of, Cincinnati, Buffalo, or Kansas City. Like, which one of these is unlike the others, right? And, like, yeah, maybe that m- means they still win this game, and then they win, by the way, a game next week against Denver, where in the look-ahead line, they are two-and-a-half-point underdogs to Denver next week. Yeah. So the, the market doesn't seem to believe that the Chargers, that, char- that game's going to matter next week against the Chargers. Yeah. I don't really even understand what that's about because honestly if the chargers win this game like i'm pretty sure this matters 
right? Yeah. And, the, and it could be moved to Saturday. So speaking of bets that you might want to make, you might want to grab the Chargers as an underdog against the Broncos next week. But the problem is we kind of like the Rams plus the points. If we like the Rams plus the points, we kind of like them on the money line here. And maybe that's what sends the Chargers down and stuck on the sixth seed here. So it's kind of interesting that a lot of these other point spreads have been built on the idea of the Eagles winning as a six and a half point favorite and some of these other results being, you know, favorites winning out. That's not really what's happening here with the Chargers and the Broncos because the Chargers win. That game's going to matter next week against the Broncos. So Rams plus six and a half this week, Chargers plus two and a half are on the money line next week uh, at a plus price. And we'll see where that ends up come uh, Sunday. Uh, Yes. And speaking of games that don't matter or won't matter, or I mean, I guess matter to somebody, the cards at the Falcons Cardinals are three and a half point underdogs. I'm on Arizona just because, I mean, why are the Falcons favored to cover more than a field goal against anybody? And yes, Mr. McSorley, Mr. Christmas, I'll I'll give him anybody status. I mean, they (laughs) hung around and covered against Tom Brady and the Bucks. So now you're on the road in Atlanta. I know it's a tougher place to play, but I mean... I'm going to be honest with you, not spending that much time on this game. <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you, I, if you might be in on Trace McSorley, beep, 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 uh, breaking news, he's going to be on the sideline because Colt McCoy has got through protocol and he's going to play. And like you're, you're bumping your fist because honestly, that's better, right? Like I would prefer Colt McCoy. Like Trace McSorley, Correct. it's funny, right? Like these these backup young quarterbacks who can run a little bit, they always kind of come in. And they're running, they're running different plays than, you know, the defense is ready for. And they're taking off. And it's like, oh, Trace McSorley is pretty scrappy out there. Look at him move. And then, like, the defense, like, realizes that this is a thing. And then they stop that in its tracks because this is the NFL. And by halftime, you should have an adjustment on that, right? We saw that. And you think Saints-Rams when... Uh, your linebackers are all, like, four... They run like four, four, forties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This isn't Trace McSorley at Penn state going up against like Maryland or, you know, something like that. Right. So yeah. Happy to have Colt McCoy back. Happy to get plus three and a half. I grabbed some four earlier this week, thinking that McCoy probably is going to be back. We saw him sort of on the sidelines. It's not like he was in a dark room somewhere um, on yeah. Sunday night. So expected him to be back, expect the line to maybe even get down to three here. Uh, another week of Desmond Ritter not being particularly impressive. The Falcons receivers were catching all kinds of passes in that game that like you wouldn't normally expect receivers to catch. So I think I think Ritter's uh, stats looked a lot better than they would normally be if the if the receivers weren't balling out, uh, particularly yeah. Drake London. Um, and by the way, they still didn't really score any points against the Ravens, and you know the Ravens covered all numbers despite you know, Huntley having, I think, what, nine completions in that game. So um, listen, we saw the Cardinals. They were able to run against Tampa Bay, by the way, right? So, like, maybe some James Conner is actually going to, you know, have a, de- a decent game here. And, again, Colt McCoy can get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. You know, the Cardinals almost beat and probably should have beat the Buccaneers without DeAndre Hopkins having any sort of stamp on that game. Like, think about that for a second here, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. Falcons done here after the loss to the Baltimore um, obviously still have to play Desmond Ritter. So like trying, 
which again, come eight, you know, week 18, if they're going up against a Buccaneers team, not to circle it back here, that isn't trying. Like I like the yeah. I like the Falcons next week against the For against sure. the Blaine Gabbard Bucks, right? They don't have Gronk who's going to try to get like a certain amount of catches to to kick in his uh, contract type deal. I just not not I just don't want I'm not going to be laying points with the Falcons here, uh, kind of under any circumstances here with Desmond Ritter. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, we move on to the Broncos and the Chiefs. Chiefs favored by 13 and a half points. And speaking of done, yeah, the Broncos head coach, Mr. Hackett, is also done after giving up, as mentioned, a 50 burger on Christmas. And just imagine that, right? Like NFL, you get to play on Christmas Day, you yeah. work so hard, and you give up a 50 burger on Christmas. That's in front of your family, friends. <laughs> yeah. That's Tough. everybody everybody 13 and a half seems like a lot and i know i'm t- i'm laying points on the chiefs hey time for our favorite game each and every week right um but it's under two tds so i'm on the chiefs and here we go i'll take that um <laughs> the reaction is amazing well yeah i mean because like when has that ever really gone all that well now it went totally. pretty well last week and i said yeah i talked you into it you were all seahawking you were out here seahawking at at plus correct and i was like "Eh, nine and a half ten then that number i think got to 11. so you know we were obviously on the right track from a uh, value and sort of closing line value standpoint this line should be 11. Right. And I think you probably understand why that would be right. Like Broncos, Seahawks, are those teams really all that different? Obviously the record being what it is and blah, 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 blah. But like, we also saw the Broncos cover against the chiefs like three weeks ago. And that was with Russell Wilson. So as much as I wish Russell Wilson also got fired last week, you also have the element of, you know, what are one of the things we always kind of want to back, right? We want to back a team that just got embarrassed. Nobody all season has gotten embarrassed the way that the Broncos got embarrassed, as you mentioned, on Christmas, right? Like, yep. that was worse. You're gonna get, I don't know what the ratings look like, but I imagine you're getting more of a rating on Christmas than you are for a Monday night game or a Sunday night yeah. game. Or, you know, you know, maybe it depends on the matchup, because I know that was my least interested, the game I was least interested in. So I go, okay, Broncos embarrassment, if they hated the coach or didn't dis- or didn't respect the coach, which I think is the more sort of important thing here. I don't know how, like... I don't know if he was long yeah. around long enough to hate him, but he was around long mm-hmm. enough for you to be like, I don't think this guy understands anything. This guy doesn't doing know what anything. he's doing. Yeah, and he's and he's and he's hiring other people to clock manage and timeouts and all that. He's hiring other people or giving the the play calling responsibilities, and it's like just turns into an office space situation, right? Where he's just like, and what would you say you do here? And so yeah, they fired him, but they also fired a handful of the other, the other, the rest of the staff. But we have seen teams compete with sort of a skeletal staff as it is and as much as russell wilson stinks like it's not we're not talking about some of these other quarterbacks that are going to play in you know we're not talking trace yeah. mcsorley here right where you're going to need like a handhold situation chiefs obviously still in play for the number one seed you know different seeding options all that so they have something to play for but as you and i talked about every year if, it were t- if we're talking about seeding i don't really care all that much is there a reason we haven't seen 14 yet in this game? Because that's what I'd be waiting for to bet the Broncos, right? And if you're not going to give me 14, that sounds like you're just daring me to bet on the Broncos at plus 13 and a half because you know that the line should probably be 11. 
So, you know, again, just because the line yeah. should be 11 and it's 13 and a half doesn't mean like, oh, well, it's definitely going to land on 11 or definitely yeah, going to yeah, land yeah. on 10 or anything like that. But like as much as the Chiefs have handled these teams in the in the last few weeks, like, again, man, it's not 40 to 10, right? Yeah. It isn't it isn't that it's just getting it. At, you know, they're stretching it out to two scores and just kind of keeping them at arm's length. There's maybe a few th- more three and outs than you'd expect. You know, amazing touchdown by Mahomes, right? That catches everybody's eye, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee you a cover. So, um, like I said, we saw this team get getting blown out, by the way, at home, come back and feel like they had a chance to win that game late, even though Russell Wilson got absolutely scrambled on uh, on a late play there. So, to me, this is Broncos or nothing. I'm just kind of playing the wait and see game here to see if I can get 14. I think Nathaniel Hackett being gone is better, you know, is a good thing. And honestly, not to sort of be the cliche let Russ cook situation, but maybe the less voices in in and around Russ, Russell Wilson, maybe for the better here. Um, yeah, we had guys fighting on the sidelines and stuff. Like all of that stuff, hopefully, you know, has more to do with, uh, hack it and nobody really respecting him or his authority and i think maybe some pride kicks in against a division rival and uh, and you get at least maybe a 10 point win for the chiefs something along those lines because <laughs> i don't think the broncos are winning the game no i got you speaking of not winning the game uh the raiders you mentioned the, the term scrambled earlier which kind of <laughs> caught my attention as i thought of how we segue from one game to the next year and before we started here, you made me aware of some scrambling going on with the Raiders in terms of a move with their offense that has moved this line yeah. as, you know, yeah, either way, I'm still on the Niners here, whatever they're laying against the Raiders. So <laughs> give me the Niners with Brock Purdy because, you know, I'll, this is a Shanahan bet and not a, or maybe it's, maybe it's a McDaniels bet. Yeah. And that's that's fine. So speaking of scrambling, I scrambled to cash out at a loss, all of my Raiders plus six bets, because this is a really, (laughs) this is going to be a really good spot for the Raiders at plus six at home. Again, Mm -hmm. not, not, uh, not technically eliminated from the playoffs, right? So like you can sell that conceptually in the locker room but the problem is Derek Carr is set to become a free agent at at the end of the season or is sort of cuttable um, based on his contract Mm -hmm. and if he gets hurt in any of the last two games the Raiders are stuck with guaranteed that that guaranteed money for Derek Carr and that's all that's happened here because your guy (laughs) Mark Davis is a cheap bastard Okay. And he is, he is dying to not, you know, have to spend any more money than he absolutely has to. And he has to look around and see that his team and his decision to, which by the way, like John Gruden's obviously, you know, that dude, but like he wasn't trying to fire John Gruden last year. He had to fire John Gruden last year. So then he goes and he goes and he, Oh, let's go make a big hire here. We'll make a big deal for Devonte Adams. Get, you know, pay him a bunch of money or make a big hire. We'll go straight to the Patriots and get Josh McDaniel. We'll ignore the fact that he flunked out the first time around and what's happened. 17 point lead after 17 point lead going down the drain, losing every game imaginable. 
you know, obviously Patriots handing him a game two weeks ago. Thanks, you know, thanks former team for that one. But even last week losing, you know, Derek Carr throwing basically the game away against the Steelers in a game that the Steelers were honestly, frankly, disappointing. I thought they were going to be much better in that game and they just were not. And so it's pretty clear that Josh McDaniels doesn't know what he's doing and he's going to be getting fired here shortly. And Mark Davis said, all right, I can fire you now if you don't <laughs> sit Derek Carr, or we can at least sort of work on this relationship. And I don't know that Josh McDaniels necessarily cares whether he gets fired at this point. Yeah, it probably means he doesn't get another head and coaching job because there will be literally no more bloom left on that rose. But he signed up for Devontae Adams and Derek Carr and like rebuilding this team and an offense that had a lot of weapons, you know, Renfro and Waller and Josh Jacobs. You know, Josh Jacobs is saying, you know, to the media that he is done with this BS and all of that stuff, right? Like it's a full on pirate revolt in Raider country. And so I don't think Josh McDaniels would be all that broken up if he gets fired and gets his contract all paid right back to him too, right? So he's probably hoping to get fired. He's probably hoping that this, uh, we haven't even, I don't know if you mentioned it or whatever, but the quarterback uh, for uh, the Raiders this week, the uh, former Patriot, Jared Stidham. I don't think the Jared Stidham thing is going to be a thing, right? I don't think it's like, oh, we got to see what we need in Jared Stidham. We saw enough from Jared Stidham in his, you know, when he, when the job was wide open with the Patriots after Tom Brady left and Cam Newton was awful and Brian Hoyer was involved, et cetera, et cetera. We know he stinks, right? Like this isn't a check him out type of situation. This is absolutely a cover your ass situation. This is don't have to pay a guy a guaranteed contract when you're going to end up cutting them. And, you know, Derek Carr is going to end up with the Jets or, you know, some other, some other team next year. And Josh McDaniel is going to be sitting there going like, I have, yeah, or Colts. Yeah, that'd be hilarious if they grabbed another retread quarterback. So funny. Um, so all that is to say, I bailed out. If all, all you need to know is I bailed out of my plus sixes from a cash out standpoint. Because honestly, at some point here, the Niners are going to have a bit of a dip. Thought that was coming last week. Honestly, thought I think it did. Uh, Purdy it was did not. Half. Yeah, Todd, uh, Todd Brock Purdy didn't play particularly well in that first half. And, you know, they the, the commanders lost pretty much every high leverage situation that you could possibly have and still kind of almost backdoored that game. So, you know, okay, win some, you lose some type of a deal here. But, like, you know, kind of thought the, the Raiders were going to be a little live to win this game. But uh, yeah. obviously they didn't think that way. Are we dying? You know, honestly, I think the only way you play this game is if you're in a pool and the line has already been set at minus six, you take the 49ers and you just move on with your life, right? At nine and a half, there's no reason to bet this game. There's no teasing it. There's no this, that, or whatever. Just, you know, a game that didn't doesn't need to happen on this weekend. Yes, 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 indeed. Uh, the Bears and the Lions. Lions, six-point favorites at home. Uh, this one is a tough one. Poor showing by the Lions last week. They got beat down by the Panthers. But now they're back at home. Uh, I feel like six is too many points, though. I'm laying the six points, but I don't really like it. Yeah, this feels a lot like the Giants-Colts game, right? Where, but, but obviously in a little bit of a different way, where it's the Bears who have the offense that could conceptually stick with the Lions. But the Lions look so much, you know, so much more efficient, better, creative, and however you want to put it, offensively when they're at home. It's like amazing. And so you watch them play for two weeks on the road, 
where it doesn't look great, you know, obviously pulled off a win against the Jets on that fourth and inches play that went, you know, 50 yards for, for what is effectively a game-winning touchdown. And then obviously just get their face kicked in by the, by the Panthers that we were on last week. And, but what I like with Dan Campbell, he comes up to the, to, to uh, the coach uh, of, of the Panthers. And he's like, you know what? You kicked our ass. Like, good job. Because he knows he can take that into his locker room. And be like, yeah. you guys got your ass kicked. That is not what we do here, right? Yeah. And so that's sort of a, you know, that was the low-level embarrassment of the week last week, right? It wasn't the Christmas time. Imagine that happened in the middle of a Christmas uh, dinner, right? In the exact same type situation. So this line moves from, you know, opens at five, moves up to six. And yeah, oh, what does that sound like? Sounds a lot like the Giants game, right? Yeah. I <laughs> I think this could be a lot like Lions Jags, Lions Vikings, where they just sort of like pedal to the metal offensively and teams that have a pretty good offense in Jacksonville and a good quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who have a, you know, relatively decent offense in the Vikings with Kirk Cousins, but more importantly, Justin Jefferson, where they just can't keep up with the Lions. We get that Lions team back. And now all of a sudden, again, we have that showdown game potentially with the Packers uh, the next week here. Again, line's gotten a little out of hand here with Detroit. Obviously, there's an element of Detroit. This is kind of a fun one. You can parlay the Lions money line this week with the Lions plus three and a half next week. Because if they win this game, they are going to have the game is going to matter against the Packers next week. And you go, yeah. okay, well, uh, all right, so I'm betting the Lions money line. That's not technically value by any means. That's the price that it's being paid for. But what you're doing is you're juicing up that plus three and a half for next week. Yeah. And there's a possibility, by the way, that if the Packers don't win this week, then that game's going to be meaningless for the Packers and mean something to the Lions, which is going to shift that line towards the Lions. And you're going to be able to play back the other way if you want. And you're going to be able to do a bunch of different stuff. So kind of a fun little gambit there where you have the, the Detroit money line with Detroit plus three and a half next week at uh, about plus 160. I like it. I like it. Uh, Sunday night football. This matchup doesn't really hit the same as it might have <laughs> a few years ago, but it's still Steelers, Ravens, Sunday night football. Time for our favorite game. Ravens are favored by three. Is this a Huntley line or a Lamar Jackson line? I'm going to guess a Huntley line, but... Either way, yeah. give me the Steelers plus the points here. Yeah, it's like a Saturday Night Live skit, right? Where like you know they love their like game show, fake game shows. Like, is this a Huntley line? Uh, this is a Huntley line. Um, still, no real, you know, as far as I know, any sort of inclination that the that Lamar is going to come back. I am in a fantasy football final this week <laughs> with Lamar as my quarterback. It would be Ooh. nice to have him back, so I'm not running Daniel Jones out there again like I did last week. Um, I'm over fantasy football as, as listen as well. You should be. Um, so yeah, like this is, this is a Huntley line. This actually probably could go to two and a half and sort of be a Huntley line. The, the Lamar line would be something closer to five and a half, whether that's, you know, whether it's the Lamar line at five and a half, I like the Steelers. If it's the Huntley line at three, I like the Steelers, right? I like the Steelers kind of no matter what. They should have won that game a couple of weeks ago, but Mitch Trubisky threw back-breaking interception after back-breaking interception. I think the Steelers are actually the better team here. And, of course, they have the path with that victory last week to be able to make the playoffs, whereas the Ravens already know they are in the playoffs and don't really have a reason to rush Lamar back. That is until potentially next week. Speaking of the look-ahead lines that we've been talking about, 
The Ravens are plus six right now in the look ahead line next week against the Bengals. There is kind of no real way where that game doesn't matter to the Ravens. So you're not going to see that line go up. And obviously there's a way in which Lamar comes back. And that line ends up being three, three and a half, something along those lines, at which point you will be sitting there with a Ravens plus six bet. And you don't have to listen to hear, you know, listen to me say, I have Ravens plus six in the line when the line's three, because by the way, I have the Steelers plus six in this game and the line's plus three. So it can't really help you from that standpoint. I can tell you that I like the, the Steelers to win the game outright. And, you know, maybe that leads you to a bet. Hey, that's all we're trying to get to here. Leading us to a bet. Um, here we are, Monday Night Football, the final game of the week. And I look at this line. It's Bills, Bengals. This is a big boy matchup. It's basically a pick'em game. Bills, slight favorite at one point. Uh, this is a great, great game. And I'm going to be honest here. I'm leaning up with the Bengals. And I'm kind of hesitating on it, though. I feel like the way that the this these two teams match up, yep. the one thing that's been difficult for me to gauge with the Buffalo Bills is their defense. I know it's a way different looking defense when Milano is in compared to when he hasn't been in. And he's been very good <laughs> with them as of late. But I don't know. I, the Just something with the Bengals when they got their full offense back and cooking with Chase back in there and Joe Burrow just in a big time game. I don't know. Something just has me here on the Bengals, but I'm not confident in it. Should I be? No, I love the Bills. Love okay. the Bills in this game. This this is going to be a contest game for me. This is a game Ooh. that I've already bet. Uh, their Bills are available like minus 108, um, uh, you know, on the money line in some, in some places. Uh, so I've already made that bet. A couple of things here. One, Bengals are getting a ton of credit for winning a lot of games. You know, you're now seeing the tweets. They're 20 and three ATS in their last 23 games. I was like, yeah. I mean, it didn't really feel like that for a long time. But like they they managed the cover against the Browns a few weeks ago when like mm -hmm. I guess they were the better team, but not like coverable better team. They managed, you know, they got every break imaginable against the Bucks two weeks ago, which admittedly is what the Bucks do. They're going to give you the football. They're going to screw things up. But like, if you watched them at half, you know, up till halftime, you wouldn't be all that psyched about the Bengals. And then they almost blew and frankly should have blown if the, if the Patriots had any ball security, honestly, don't really blame Ramondi Stevenson that much because that play should have been blown dead. You know, sometimes it's, it's uh, forward progress being stopped. Sometimes it's not, that's really annoying. The point is the Patriots could have come back and won from being what down 22 points, something along those lines. Right. I know like comebacks are just kind of what we do now in the NFL, but like you'd be looking a lot differently about the Bengals if they had blown that lead. And if they had not gotten every sort of bounce possible from the Buccaneers donated to them by the Buccaneers the previous two weeks. And honestly, the couple of weeks before that haven't exactly been incredibly great performances, but where the on field thing really makes, you know, sort of is the game changer for me here is with Lyle Collins, their right tackle, out for the season with an ACL. This is a Bengals offensive line that had all, you know, has always been the issue. They revamped it at the start of the season. It struggled at the start of the season, but it started to kind of gel a little bit where Burrow wasn't getting sacked five times a game. Now 
brutally. They lose him for the season with the ACL injury. And the Bills' defensive line, even without Von Miller, is not the defensive line you want to have questions with when it comes to that sort of thing. By the way, right, the secondary for the Bengals has been banged up as well. I mean, from a defensive line standpoint, they still got Trey uh, Hendrickson somehow playing with a broken wrist. I don't know what's going on there, how that's happening. I mean, the Bills are going to be able to score a lot against the Bengals, who, again, banged up secondary, not a team you want to go against. Banged up offensive line, not a team you want to go against here. I think, you know, the as weird as it sounds, right, with the Bills being playing in Buffalo – that they're like some like outdoor want it to snow type of team. That's not really what they are. It's going to be unusually warm. It's going to be unseasonably warm this week in basically everywhere. We're, we're, we're getting back what we lost out on. Uh, I'm watching you with the, with the card. It's a phone today instead of a mouse. Um, we're getting back the weather that we sort of got beat up with last week. And I think that helps the bills here because they don't really want to run the football. I mean, they'd love to run the football if they could. They're not very good at it, particularly. Uh, I think this is a big boy game. I think the Bills, in this iteration of the Bills, they get up for the big boy games. And as long as there isn't, like, gale force winds or snow or some of this other stuff, this feels a lot like when they went to Kansas City earlier on in the season and they won on the road. Whereas, again, you know, the Bengals won at home against Kansas City. That was kind of a weird game. Travis Kelsey's fumbling. Patrick Mahomes wasn't looking pretty, you know, particularly good that that game. You know, they have, you know, the Chiefs number, if you will. We don't have that sort of proof that the Bengals have the number of the Bills, you know, defensively versus offensively type of thing. But we're giving them sort of credit for doing that to other teams. So, you know, like it's it, you know, we shouldn't be giving the Bengals credit because they've won this type of game before because it hasn't been against the Bills. So give me the Bills here. I think this is sort of a, a make-your-mark type deal for the Bills here going into the postseason as they make a run to try to get this number one seed. I like it. I like it a lot, and that is what we do here on the pod, a make-pick, and the pick gets changed from time to time because of the information given to me by my friend and yours. Mr. Matt Russell. If you want more information and education, as I like to call it, where can the people find you? Because there will be a lot of news to be updated before now and the time of kickoff, my friend. Yeah, at authentic on Twitter. And of course, the score, everything I write over there. And we've talked about these sort of gambits, if you will, for week 18. I don't think I'm going to write about these. I think this is podcast only for the people. Um, you know, it might be easier if I did write about them, but we got a lot of bowl stuff, obviously college football semifinals um, coming up on Saturday and all the big boy bowls, New Year's six bowls, January 2nd is when the, you know, the rest of the bowls, Rose Bowl, et cetera, um, are happening. So a ton of previews for that. So I don't have a ton of time necessarily to write about the Detroit, Detroit parlay, for example, or the <laughs> Saints, Eagles, Cowboys parlay. Um, or the Tampa, Atlanta, Carolina, NFC South gambit that I talked about earlier on the podcast. Uh, but feel free to message me if you have any questions about doing that. But of course, you need access to look ahead lines in order to make those plays. Uh, talked about Baltimore plus six. Last one I hadn't talked about. Uh, Steelers money line for week 18. That game's either going to matter at home against the Browns. That money line is minus 120 right now against the Browns. That game's either going to matter for a place in the playoffs for the Steelers or it's not, it might matter for uh, Tomlin and having a winning record 
he likes to sort of keep that whole like winning, you know, never had a losing record type deal. That might be the thing. I fundamentally, I just trust the Steelers to show up at home in week 18 more than I trust the Browns to show up on the road. I think by the time we get to that game, the Steelers will be like three point favorites, something along those lines. So grab the money line if you can now there. And uh, we talked about Carolina plus three being a good bet, whether they're, you know, whether their season's over or not. I like it, my dude. I like it. And that's just a little glimpse of the information that you can get all week long by following our guy, Mr. Matt Russell. And you can follow me online as well on Twitter at Shell Alexander on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Another reminder, wherever you're listening to the pod, bless it with the like, bless it with the retweet, all that other fun stuff. It's really simple. That's how you support the pod. Don't ask for much. Just clicking a button right and remember we will do this again throughout the playoffs as we near that time big boy season is here in the nfl i am gonna i'm gonna be very honest with you i want to like bypass next week i hate the end of the se- the regular season in no. terms of trying to bet on the end of the regular season but we've already got here. six bets for next week I know, I know, but we will be here and we will do it again because that is what we do here on this pod. And like I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the On Blast Podcast, NFL Picks Edition, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Happy New Year, everybody. Stay safe out there. <laughs>